Hey everyone, uh, we're coming to you this morning with another episode that uh, Taylor is going to lead and is going to start here uh, in just a second. So um, before we get started, I'm going to lead real quick uh, with a uh, word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for another day to serve you. Um, thank you for all of your blessings uh, in each of our lives and uh, I pray for any, anybody right now that is, uh, that is listening, that is dealing with um, certain uh, struggles in their life, um, difficulties, Lord, that you would just have your hand on them, strengthen them, and uh, bless them, Lord, for taking time out of their, uh, out of their life to dedicate to listening um, to this message that uh, Taylor has prepared. And I pray that you would bless each and every person uh, who listens to this, Lord. And uh, thank you for all your blessings in your name. Amen. Amen. Just going to make sure this is in. All right. So as you can see, Brandon and I are kind of flip-flopping who's leading each week, depending on who's working midnight <laughs> shift. So Brandon worked last night, as you can see, and... Uh, um, so I will be leading this, uh, this session here, and we are actually going to get into Ephesians chapter 6 in this session. And again, we're focusing on verses 10 through 20. But before we get into that, I want to give a brief background on Paul and who he, who he was. Uh, I, as I was developing this outline, um, I realized that there's probably some people out there who don't really know who Paul was and uh, maybe have never heard of Paul. I'm not sure where everybody is at that's listening to this. So the apostle Paul was a Pharisee. Uh, if you look in the book of Acts, this is where Paul's life and ministry uh, is, is, is written about and talked about. And he, he was a Pharisee. And he had an encounter with the Lord on the road to Damascus, where he was actually going to persecute uh, the Christians. He hated the Christian faith, uh, those that were followers of Jesus Christ, and he actually was one that would go out and arrest those Jews mm -hmm. that were followers of Jesus. And he'd bring them back to, uh, to the leadership in Jerusalem, or to the Pharisees. And uh, he put many people in prison. He actually was at the stoning of Stephen, which was uh, one of the believers of the early church in Acts, and he was the one that, uh, that held the coats of those that, that picked up rocks and actually stoned Stephen to death. So he, he was very zealous towards the Jewish faith, the Jewish religion, and he was very against Jesus as the Messiah until he went to Damascus to arrest those in Damascus who were followers of Jesus Christ. And he had an encounter with the Lord. The Lord Jesus appeared to him in a blinding light, and he saw Jesus. He saw the light of Jesus, which opened his eyes from the darkness he was living in, and, uh, and he, it transformed his life. 
After that encounter on the road to Damascus, his life took a uh, dramatic turn. There was a dramatic change in direction. And he began proclaiming and boldly proclaiming that Jesus was the Messiah and preaching actually the gospel that he hated and was persecuting other uh, Jews for. And so if you fast forward from that time in Damascus to 14 years later, so I think we read the book of Acts, and I know I have before, and we just see these moments in time that are described uh, in, in Acts. So we see the, the, the Damascus Road experience. And then a couple chapters later, Paul is being called into the ministry as an apostle, as a sent one or a missionary, you could say. And we just think that that happened in a very short period of time, but it was actually 14 years from the time that Paul had that Damascus Road experience to the time that he was called into the ministry as an apostle of Jesus Christ was 14 years. So there's a large span of time in there where Paul was growing and renewing his mind. And, and that's actually mentioned in Galatians. If you, would, uh, if you want to go back and, and look at that, he actually says that it was 14 years. And so at, at that point, the church uh, sends him, and I believe it was Silas at that time, uh, or no, Barnabas at the time, they called him out with Barnabas as apostles. And his, his name was changed from Saul to Paul. And so this is, this is the writer of two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, and and the, the books that are written in the New Testament by Paul are letters to the churches that he established during his missionary journeys. So we're focusing on the book of Ephesians. And so this was the church in Ephesus that he established. So he took two trips to Ephesus. One trip was a very short trip. I, I believe most people think it was about three months time that he was there. And then the second trip, he actually was there somewhere between two years and three and a half years. And during this time, Paul established a school there where he was instructing in that school daily. The word of God, it says, spread throughout all of Asia. Uh, there were strange miracles performed by the hands of Paul. This is where Paul would actually... Uh, pray over or anoint pieces of cloth and it would be distributed to people and people would bring those to the sick and to the lame and it says that they were healed by receiving these uh, pieces of cloth from Paul uh, and it says the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed during that time. Paul's time in Ephesus ended with the entire city rioting. That's how Paul ended his, his trip in Ephesus. The Ephesian, uh, or the people of Ephesus, uh, they worshipped the goddess Diana. There was actually the temple, the main worship center for the goddess of Diana was in Ephesus. It was the one of the seven wonders of the world at that time. So the people in Ephesus, uh, like a majority of them, had given themselves over to this demonic worship of, of the goddess of Diana. And that is what Paul was up against during his years there. And obviously, the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed, and there was people repenting and turning to the Lord and responding to Paul's messages and seeing the power of God at work in that city to where many of the people, it says many sorcerers, were burning their books in the streets, uh, turning to Jesus. 
and uh, and this caused a riot to take place in Ephesus and they actually had to remove Paul. Paul ended up leaving the city and going to Macedonia because of the riot that took place. But he had established the church there and so that he had raised up leaders in the church and when he left he went to other places and uh, this book of Ephesians is being written while Paul is in prison and he's writing back to the church of Ephesus and, uh, and that's where we find ourselves in Ephesians uh, 6, verse 10. This is the final closing to his letter to the Ephesian church. So hopefully you guys have a better understanding of the Apostle Paul, his life. And I'll be talking a lot more about him and his conversion experience and uh, different aspects of that as we go through these 10 verses in Ephesians but just like any, any letter or any, uh, any paper that you would write, your opening and your closing is very important in, in whatever letter or document you're writing or paper or even your report that you're writing. If you're a police officer, if you're writing a report, it's a summary of what you're going to include in the body of that report and you're writing a conclusion. Uh, an introduction and a conclusion and a lot of times that includes the most important parts that you want to communicate to your readers. So when we look at Ephesians 6, this is the last uh, part of Paul's letter. And, and Paul's, when Paul's writing this letter, he didn't break it up into chapters and verses. He just wrote the letter to the Ephesians and then the, uh, the, the people later that were translating it into the Bible, they actually broke these up to chapters and verses so that you could uh, you could refer back to it easily. You could um, you could organize the the letter and pinpoint certain areas easier. So Ephesians six is the last part of this letter to the Ephesians, and verses ten through twenty include an exhortation that Paul is encouraging the church in Ephesus uh, in these last 10 verses. And he, he includes the most important, I'd say, uh, kind of summarizing everything else he went through in the last prior five chapters. And he's, uh, he's ending it with these 10 verses. And so this is why this is so important for us. So we're gonna look at verse 10. And I'm not sure if we're going to get to verse 11. We might just stay in verse 10. But in Ephesians 6, verse 10, Paul says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I'm going to be taking these verses. This is a Bible study, so I'm going to be breaking down uh, these, these verses and talking about uh, sometimes just a single word in these verses. So because we are doing a Bible study, we are going to be studying the Bible and actually going in-depth into these verses. They're, sometimes you can be reading the Bible and you, you don't have to read 10 chapters in a day. I mean, you can. You can do that, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit can minister you to you through that. But sometimes you can take one verse and just stay in that one verse and dig into it, and it will bless you more than if you spent an hour reading uh, reading a whole book. So that's what we're going to do in, in the sessions uh, that I lead. I'm going to be going through these 10 verses in Ephesians 6. And out of these 10 verses, there are truths that will, will change your life. There's, there's topics that we will dive into and use other scripture 
to back up what we're saying, um, what Paul's saying in these 10 verses. So again, this is Paul's final exhortation to the Ephesian church. And when I say exhortation, he's exhorting them or he's, he's strongly encouraging or urging someone to do something. So he's urging the Ephesian church to, to do this. Again, I'm going to read it again. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his, his might. So I want to ask you this question, and I just want you to, to meditate on this as I go through the rest of, uh, of this, this teaching. Does your life reflect this command given by the Apostle Paul? Is your life marked by strength and power in the Lord, or is it marked by weakness, defeat, addiction, uh, depression, anxiety in the flesh? And we're going to break down what being strong in the Lord looks like and what being weak in the flesh looks like. So we're going to start off just by, by breaking down the first part of this verse. Finally, my brethren. All right. He, again, he's in the closing part of uh, the book of Ephesians. And he's saying, this is the last thing I want to impart to you. If, you. if you forget everything else in this letter, this is what I want you to remember most of all. And notice how he calls them my brethren. I know I've mentioned this several times before. But he is talking to believers. At the start of Ephesians in verse 1, he says that he's writing to the saints that are in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So he is not writing to unbelievers. I think people think that, that as soon as they become a, a follower of Jesus Christ and as soon as they surrender their life to the Lord, that they are automatically in their soul and in their in their body and their flesh that they're strong in the lord mm -hmm. and that is not the case yes in our spirits because we have been born again by the spirit of god we are strong in the lord in our spirits mm -hmm. but we need to renew our mind to what that is and to our identity in christ and where that strength come from comes from and what that means in order to see that strength walked out in this physical life, in our body, in our flesh, and in our mind. So he's not writing to unbelievers. This is, this is written to the church. So this is written to you and me. This is written to Brandon and I. When you read the Bible, especially the, the New Testament in these letters, you need to place yourself as the recipient of this letter. It's not just to the Ephesian church at that time. This, Paul is writing this to you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus Christ. He's exhorting you. So you can say, finally, Taylor, or finally, Brandon, and you can personalize this letter to yourself. This is how I read the Bible. I'm sure this is how Brandon reads the Bible. This is God's word to you. So again, Paul clearly identifies his audience and who has access to this strength and power. In John 3.3, 3, Jesus said, Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to in verse 7 that says, Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. In John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to, uh, to a Pharisee, 
and my mind is is going blank on his his name. Uh, man, I can't believe I forget his name. So anyway, <laughs> it's early, okay? It's early. Uh, it'll come to me later. But he's talking to a Pharisee who is very curious about Jesus, and. Uh, and Jesus is telling him that you must be born again. So I want to, to reiterate here that in order to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might, you have to be born again. You cannot be an unbeliever, someone that has not given them their life over to, uh, to Jesus, and expect to be strong in the Lord. I know I've said this before. Brandon has said this before that there are many officers out there, many people in general that go to church. Did you find it? Nicodemus. Nicodemus, yes. <laughs> so Nicodemus is the Pharisee that I was talking about. Uh, so anyway, there are many people that think because they're good or because they go to church or they know of God or even that they believe God or believe in God, that there is a God, that that that's, that's it, that, that that's all they, they need, that God's going to determine if they receive eternal life or not by their goodness or by that they have some uh, uh, some knowledge of that they believe God is real. And that is not the case. We must be born again to inherit eternal life, to inherit the kingdom of God, to inherit the strength and power that, if, that Paul is talking about in, in this verse. So we must be born again. And I know in a couple videos prior to this, I, uh, I've, I've talked about how to receive that born again uh, spirit, how to receive and make Jesus Lord of your life and receive the free gift of salvation. And if you look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that outlines how we receive salvation. There's confession with the mouth that Jesus is Lord and then believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, and it says, you are, you shall be saved. And uh, there's a lot, there's, there's more that goes into discipleship after that, but at that point, if you do that, you are born again in the Spirit. And I'm going to talk about what, what takes place in your spirit uh, once once that born again, uh, once your, your spirit unifies with the Holy Spirit and you become born again, what that means, what that looks like. So why is Paul telling the church in Ephesus this? What is the purpose behind it? Well, this is how Paul is walking in victory in his life. This is, this is what Paul displayed when he went to Ephesus, when he took that trip to Ephesus both times and lived there for, for three years. This is what he displayed. He displayed walking in the strength of the Lord and in the power of his might. In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, now he's writing to the Corinthian church. This is another trip, another missionary trip, another church that he planted. He tells them to imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So Paul is speaking from his own testimony. Paul is speaking of this is, this is how he operates. This is how he walks. This is how he is operating in the strength of the Lord and in the power of his might. This is how he's overcoming his flesh. Our ministry, this Brandon and I, we are ministering from our own personal relationship from, with, with Jesus, our own victories that we are seeing 
through our relationships with Jesus Christ. This is your, your testimony, your ministry should flow from your own personal relationship. You cannot go and disciple someone else or uh, be telling someone else to imitate me as I imitate Christ or as I follow Christ if your life is a mess. Mm -hmm. you, I'm not saying you're not a believer. I'm not saying that you're, you're not saved. But if you are walking fulfilling the desires of the flesh, if you are not walking in victory over your flesh, if you are not, if your life does not exhibit strength in the Lord and power in his might, if you are walking carnally minded, you cannot disciple someone else. You, you are, are walking as a convert. I've heard men, many people say uh, that, that they, their goal with this person is that they uh, that they disciple this person when they themselves aren't a disciple of Jesus. They, they are converts and they're still walking in the, in the desires of their flesh and the, the carnal mind, and they're not walking in victory over their flesh. They're not, but they're expecting that they can help somebody else walk in the spirit and help somebody else disciple somebody else in in being a follower of jesus christ and that's just not the case paul ministered out of his own personal relationship with jesus christ and that's the same with us i would not be up here talking to you guys and brandon wouldn't either if we if our lives had not been radically changed by jesus christ if we were not walking by this power and actually living this out in our own lives not saying we are perfect. Paul would say the same thing. Paul was not perfect. Jesus is the only perfect human in the flesh that has ever walked this earth. He was 100% human, 100% God. And he walked perfectly the perfect will of God when he was in the flesh on this earth. But Paul was walking in victory over his flesh. Mm -hmm. He, he had put to death the deeds of the body, and he was walking and fulfilling the will, will of God for his life. So he could say, imitate me as I follow Christ. And so that's what we should be able to say as we are, are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're seeing victory in our life, as we're seeing... Or even uh, including imitate me in how, in, when I fall short... The response yes. that you that you take in acting for forgiveness and acting to be and asking to be filled with the Spirit again and asking for God to strengthen you to overcome whatever sin whatever temptation you fell to it's not a response of just letting that spiral out of control and wallow right. in it no it's an immediate identification that you fell and then you're gonna attack it through the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's not you're not surrendering in defeat to your to your sin. You're you recognize that you fell, and then you're gonna attack it through the power of the Holy Spirit and ask for strength to overcome it next time. Absolutely. So so that's, there's even like Paul is an example, not only in the successes, but he also gives you um, how you should respond when you fall. And like I said before, this is. He had a period of 14 years between his conversion and him being called into the ministry as, the, as an apostle, as a sent one. Mm -hmm. Paul was a, 
was a Pharisee, which means he, he said he was a Pharisee among Pharisees, that he, he was at the top of his game, that he, was, uh, he sat under the teachings of Gamaliel. I think that's how you say his name. Uh, and and like he, he knew his stuff. He, as far as the, uh, what the Pharisees studied, they memorized the first, I believe it was the first five books of the Old Testament. Like he, as far as righteousness in the flesh, he could boast more than anybody else. Mm -hmm. But then later he says all of, all of that self-righteousness in the flesh is like dirty rags. Mm -hmm. It's like dung. It's like crap mm -hmm. uh, compared to Jesus's righteousness, compared to who he is in Christ now. And, and so this is not something that just happens overnight. Mm -hmm. There is a renewing and a continual renewal of the mind to where we have to do what Brandon said, recognize when we have gone off track, recognize when our minds have shifted from being spiritually minded to carnally minded. And then that is where repentance takes place. Repentance is a turning around. That's pretty much all it means. It, it doesn't mean to grovel and cry and, and uh, beat yourself up and condemn yourself. It just means to turn around. It means that you are walking down this road with this mindset. And I've recognized that this is the wrong path, that I'm not, so I'm not supposed to be thinking this way. I'm not supposed to be walking down this path. And you repent and you turn and walk by the Spirit. Mm -hmm. And that, that is it. You are, turn, you are turning around 180 degrees, and you are changing your mindset to the mind of Christ, to being spiritually minded. And that's what it means to repent. I have to, to repent in that aspect many times throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I, I need to, I recognize I'm not thinking God's thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking I'm becoming anxious because my mind is set on, on the things of the flesh or the things of this world. I'm, I'm giving myself over to, uh, to, to frustration or worrying about finances. That, that is carnal mindedness. Mm -hmm. And so I, when I recognize that, I repent. And usually it's the Holy Spirit that makes me recognize that, yeah. that says, you're not thinking God's thoughts. This is not who you are in Christ. This is who you are after the flesh. And you need to repent, turn around, and walk spiritually minded. Mm -hmm. So uh, absolutely, I, I agree 100% with what Brandon said. And, uh, and this is where the power of our personal testimonies comes into play. Paul is, he is writing out of his own life and the testimony that he's seen, the work of Jesus that he's seen in his own personal life. And as you read his letters, he refers back to many times the Damascus Road, Damascus Road experience to his different trials and tribulations that he went through going to these towns and ministering in these towns. And then his current state, uh, whether he's writing from prison or writing uh, from, different, from, uh, um, from different areas that he's at in the world. He is writing, he is giving his personal testimony, how he's overcome, how he's walking in victory. He's not even, he's not even hiding how horrible of a sinner that he was before. Mm -hmm. In fact, he, he tells everybody, 
you know, that if you think you are a sinner, you're speaking to the chief of sinners referring to himself. Yeah. So he's not even, he's not even skewing it or filtering it as in like making it um, seem like he wasn't that bad, but still, you know, he's, he's being completely transparent and open with how horrible he was before his um, conversion. And, yeah. uh, and then the transformation that has taken place in the power of the Holy Spirit. But he never forgets and he never hides and he instead actually boasts in the fact of how he was the chief of sinners before mm -hmm. as a testimony of the miraculous work of Christ in his life. And again, he was a Pharisee. He was, these guys walked around uh, and wouldn't even touch certain people, wouldn't get close to certain people because they were considered unclean. Uh, they, they were looked at as the righteous of the righteous mm -hmm. by, by the law, by the works of the law. And this is the same man who's saying, I was uh, the chief among sinners. Mm -hmm. uh, so in Revelation twelve eleven, it says Jesus, is, uh, Jesus has appeared to the, uh, to the disciple, now the apostle John. And this is where the book of Revelation uh, comes from it comes from Jesus's messages message to John and Jesus says this and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony your personal testimony is extremely powerful uh, that's why Brandon and I started this this uh, this ministry and the, these videos in episode one with our testimonies mm -hmm. Your, and that wasn't even a complete, we had to do both of our testimonies in an hour. So we had to, very, we had to summarize those. But your, your life should be a walking testimony. You should, every day should be a testimony of God's goodness and God's grace and God's strength and power in your life. That is what God has, has called us to be. He's called us to be bold witnesses. And that word witness that's used in Acts chapter 1 actually from the Greek is translated is where we get the word martyr from that we are supposed to be bold witnesses for Christ and through our testimonies through our our daily walk with Jesus Christ and that that testimony might be uh, it's it's a testimony of, of victory that that even if you like Brandon said even if you do make a mistake even if you do uh, walk by the desires of the flesh and fulfill a fleshly desire, you give grace to God for giving you the power to receive forgiveness for that and then to walk in victory over that. You repent, you turn, you look to what took place on the cross, you thank Jesus for dying and for pain for the judgment of that sin, and then you say, by your strength, by your grace, by your power, I will not fulfill the lust of my flesh again if I'm walking by the power of your spirit. And so I yield this body to you, Holy Spirit, and I will walk by your strength and not by my own strength. That's, that's where like a big development for me was realizing that instead of thinking like I'm doomed to this flesh and I make these mistakes and I'm just, uh, I'm just so horrible. Mm -hmm. um, what you end up realizing when this, when this power of uh, the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, when it becomes a reality as a believer, what you have within you in the Holy Spirit, um, you end up realizing that when you sin, 
it's it's not just a helpless thing that has happened to you and you just fell victim to it no when you truly realize the power you have in you through the holy spirit you realize that when you fall you made a choice in the weakness of your flesh um, when you in that moment had access to the power to overcome yep. and that is where the repenting and asking for forgiveness takes place it's because you essentially said in that moment and thank goodness for god's forgiveness but you said in that moment even though i know and i recognize that i have a power within me that i can lay hold of that will allow me to overcome this temptation i am going to choose uh the to fall and succumb to a, a desire of my flesh yeah and, and that's that is huge i think if you can grasp that because mm -hmm. that that will change your life that will change your walk with god that there is a choice i used mm -hmm. to think i didn't have a choice right i used to yep. think that i there's this aspect of uh that i used to have this mentality that sin there was times in my life whether i was lacking sleep if i was physically tired whatever it might be where i felt like there was this uh this power of sin over me that I could not resist, that I could not resist this power, that I that I'm, I had this defeated mindset that I'm going to give into it anyway, yep. and that God, I've prayed for a way out, and you haven't given me a way out, and so I'm going to give into this desire of my my flesh, and uh, and then I'm going to feel horrible mm -hmm. because I know that's not your will, but. You are, in my mind, I was, I was like, I, I prayed for a way out and there was, I didn't see a way out. So yeah. I gave into this. And then you're, you're, you're groveling, you're crying, you're saying, Lord, forgive me. And, and you, don't, you don't feel like reading the Bible. You feel like you're separated from God. Do you not see how this is a tactic of the devil? And we, will, we are going to get into this, but I'm so glad Brandon brought that up, that it, when you realize that there's a choice mm -hmm. and this was this is where we're getting into our into the second part of this 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 uh, verse that there's god's will and then there's your will mm -hmm. jesus even said this not my will but your will be done mm -hmm. jesus had his own there jesus had the ability to follow his own fleshly will he was spirit soul and body just like we are three-part beings spirit soul and body he knew the will of God, but he and, he and he said that. He said, not my will, but your will be done. When he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane and getting ready to, to go to the cross. So even Jesus had to operate in faith, following God's will and not his own will. Mm -hmm. this, is, uh, this is, again, if you can grasp this, this is huge. That when we sin, when we give in to temptation. Being tempted is not a sin. It's when we yield to that temptation that that sin, that sin is conceived in our hearts. When we yield to it, when we agree to it, when we start meditating on it, when that thought enters our mind that we are going to go and do this, that is when sin is conceived, not when we perform it out here. That's why Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust after her in your heart, you have already committed adultery with her. Mm -hmm. Adultery is not the action of going in for Brandon and I sleeping with another woman that's not our wife. 
That is not adultery is when you allow lust to conceive in your heart mm-hmm. adultery. When you when that sin happens in your heart. So there's the choice. There's you have a choice whenever we choose to walk by the desires of our flesh and set our minds on the things of the flesh. That is a choice that we make. We are rejecting the power and strength and might that's in the Lord Jesus Christ and in in his spirit that dwells within us. And we are choosing weakness in our flesh. Mm -hmm. And that is what we're going to get into in this next section, into the second part of this verse. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If Paul is saying, if he's urging if he's exhorting the Ephesian church to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, that means as believers, we can be weak in the Lord and the power of his might. Mm -hmm. He's implying that there are people in the Ephesian church, the church in Ephesus, that are not walking in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. might. There's, I know there's people listening to this that will watch this later on that are not walking in the strength of the Lord and the power of his might. And again, this is not a one-time decision. This is a daily decision, a moment-by-moment decision. Am I going to walk by the Spirit or walk by the flesh? God does not, and this is this is going to, uh, this teaching in the church, there, there is a teaching that is that has been in the church that talks about the sovereignty of God and God's control over our lives. And, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to touch on it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, give you scripture on why I'm saying what I'm saying, because many people can get upset at this. I know several years ago, if I would have heard this, I would have gotten upset at it because I was religious and I, I had not... Uh, I had not sought it out. I had not studied this out. And, and this is what uh, many ministers told me when I was growing up, the ministers that I listened to, that God is in control of everything that happens in our life. And I'm here to tell you that God does not and will not sovereignly control your free will. We are not puppets in the hands of God. When we sin, we choose to sin. God's will is never that we sin and yield to our flesh. That is never God's will. That is us relying on our own carnal mind, obeying our flesh, and choosing to sin. Once God gave mankind free will to choose in the Garden of Eden, once he told Adam and Eve to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but presented the tree of life, they said you can eat from any other tree in the garden, and amongst those trees was the tree of life. He said, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. As soon as he gave mankind a choice, a choice to obey him, to, to willingly serve him and love him as their father, or to reject them or reject him, he limited himself in giving that command. By, by giving that choice in the garden, he limited himself by his own word. And God is the only one that can limit himself. Nobody is limiting God. No, there's no outside external force that can limit what God does. But he can limit himself, and he has by his word. 
In Psalms 138 verse 2, it says, David is saying this, for you, referring to God, have magnified your word above all your name. So God will not violate his word. God will not violate what the, the dominion and the authority and control and free will choice that he's given to man. God's will is that all men come to a knowledge and salvation, uh, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as their Lord. His will is that all mankind comes and repents uh, in Jesus Christ and comes back to him in, in fellowship and union with him. But there are people that are dying and going to hell every day because they've chosen to reject that free gift of salvation. Mm -hmm. That is why it's so powerful, the gospel message, the truly too good to be true news of Jesus Christ and what he did when he came to this earth as God's son, lived a perfect life and then took our unrighteousness, our sin, took the judgment of sin, became sin in his body on the cross and died in that sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So you, you have to understand this. You have to understand and know what God's will is because we will not perfectly, God is not going to control us and force us to serve him or to follow his will. That is not the, even if you give your life to Jesus and you make this decision and Jesus is Lord of your life, if you don't con consistently walk spiritually minded, if you don't renew your mind to the word of God, renew your mind to his will, to who you are in Christ, to your authority, the weapons of your warfare, if you don't renew your mind to this, you, you will not, God's not going to force you to fulfill his will. God's not going to force you to read his word. God's not going to force you not to watch a movie that's full of cussing and nudity and violence and spend time in his word. I, I guarantee you, all of you listening that are believers, that, are, that have given your life to Jesus Christ, you have had times in your life where you knew God was telling you to do something. You just knew in your heart, instead of watching this, or I, maybe I shouldn't be watching this, or instead of doing this, I should do that, or I should go up to this person and tell them about the love of Jesus for them. And you didn't. That right there violates the teaching that God controls you, that God is in control of everything that happens to you. That violates that whole teaching because you chose, knowing God's will, you chose to reject it. You chose to do your own will. Mm -hmm. I hope you guys are getting this. This is so important to, to, that when, I, when my eyes were open to this and I understood this and I understood that God's will is in his word, that, that we need to, in Ephesians 5.17, Paul says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. We can understand God's will because he has written it, he has shown it to us through his word. When I understood this, it delivered me mm -hmm. from me just walking through my life saying, God is gonna control whatever I do, whatever happens, whatever will be, will be. If, I'm, if I sin, then I guess I'm just a dirty, rotten sinner, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to have to struggle through this life. But when I die, that's when I'll walk in victory. That's when I'll walk in strength. And, oh, what a day that will be. No, Jesus, Jesus said the kingdom of, of God is at hand. He came and preached the kingdom to the people. That was his heart. That was Jesus came and displayed the perfect will of God to mankind. 
I don't think anybody on here would argue with me that Jesus did not, did not perfectly fulfill God's will in his life. He was God's son, and everything that Jesus did, he said that he saw the Father do. He only did what he saw God the Father do. And so we must understand what God's will is. If we don't, then we are unwise. We are not going to walk in victory. We are not going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to walk spiritually minded rather than carnally minded. You have your own will, the will of your flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. And then there's God's will. And you have to know what God's will is for your life. You have to know, and, and people hear God's will for your life and they think, I'm talking about what their occupation should be. No, God's will every day, God's will for your body, for, for health, for your family, for your finances, for your mental state, whether it's whether you're dealing with depression or anxiety. What is God's will? God, well, God's will is that you walk by the Spirit. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. That's God's will, is that you operate in that power and that strength. That's part of having him as number one in your life is that in all of these seemingly small areas um, in the day to day, you are surrendering to Jesus as the number one priority. You are surrendering to Jesus as Lord of your life each day. So you recognize him in his position of that, in his authority in your life. Um, and you're denying yourself. It's a denying yourself and surrendering to him as Lord so that when it comes to a decision about finances, when it comes to a decision about your job, when it comes to a decision, uh, maybe you're making an important decision about uh, where your child's going to attend school, where your family's going to attend church, um, you know, where you're going to allocate certain finances. You recognize the Lordship of Christ in every single decision, in every small decision. And, uh, and that is a part of acting it out. Um, like in, uh, I think it's Philippians 2.13, it says, It's God who works in you to will and to act according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. But we can shut that off. You have to be laying hold of the resources that are available in... Um, in uh, surrendering to Christ as Lord and saturating yourself in the word and um, uh, committing yourself in prayer and, uh, and walking that out in order to, to have uh, what we're talking about here. Absolutely. And I would just say too that the fact that we've chosen to be here this morning, that Brandon's choosing to, to not go home and sleep, to be here <laughs> At the end of working 12 hours when you've been up since 5 a.m yesterday yes he wasn't able yes. to sleep uh yesterday afternoon but he's making a choice to walk by the power and if i hadn't said that he, he hasn't had sleep since 5 a.m uh friday morning right. right you probably would not have known that because brandon right now is operating from the strength of, and power of the lord he's actually displaying what we're talking about here he's resisting his flesh of wanting to go home and go to sleep so that he can be here and, and share with you guys. That is, that is a simple demonstration of walking by the spirit and not walking by the flesh, the desires of the flesh. 
Um, Jesus went through the same thing during his temptation in the desert. The devil came at the end of 40 days when Jesus was at his weakest in the flesh to tempt his flesh. His first temptation was with food, turn these rocks into bread if you are the son of God. He always questioned, if you are the son of God, you will do this. So he's, he's questioning, he's attacking his pride, number one, because God had just told him after his baptism by John the Baptist, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And then it says the Holy Spirit drove him into the desert and he was in the desert fasting for 40 days. And Satan came and the first thing he attacked him was, if you are the son of God, prove it. If you are, then change these rocks into bread. And Jesus resisted the flesh, because I guarantee you after 40 days, Jesus was, he was dying. Like his body was physically dying after 40 days. And he chose to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit brought back his, to his remembrance, a verse from Deuteronomy, and he said, it is written. The second temptation was, uh, it wasn't the pinnacle, what was it? Bow down to, uh, bow down to me uh, and I'll yeah. give you all the kingdoms. They've all been given to me and I can give them to you. Just bow down and worship me. So the lust of the eyes, Satan showed him all the kingdoms of the, of the earth that, uh, the, that he had control over. And again, Jesus denied that and chose to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brought back to his remembrance another verse. And he spoke that verse, it is written. And then the third one, the same thing took place. Throw yourself down off of the pinnacle of the temple. And it says this, and the Satan actually quoted a verse in Psalms. He, he didn't quote it fully, but he quoted a verse in Psalms. Uh, Psalms 91. And Jesus, again, um, responds in the power of the Holy Spirit. We have this same power. We have the same access. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about our flesh. And... I've only got about five minutes here, and then we're going to start. Our, we're, we're going to wrap this up and close. Our flesh is weak. Mm -hmm. Jesus said this. Jesus said in the garden. He he went off to pray. This is before uh, the soldiers came and arrested him, and he he brought uh, Peter, James, and John. I believe he separated them from the other twelve disciples. And he brought them further and he asked them to watch and pray with him. And then Jesus went off a little further and prayed by himself. And he came back, I believe it was a couple times, and they were sleeping. They had given in to the desire to sleep. And Jesus says this in Mark 14, 38 and in Matthew 26, 41. He says the exact same thing. The, the writers uh, record the exact same thing. Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I don't care how much you work out, how much you make this flesh look good. Mm -hmm. You can make this, you can work out and be the strongest man in the world physically, but you are weak. You are weak in the flesh. If you are relying by the strength of your flesh and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ and you have not renewed your mind to who you are in Christ and, and the access we have to the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says you are weak. 
A carnal mind is weak. You have no power if you are operating carnally minded to resist sin. Now, there are some people who can resist, let's say they're drug addicts or alcoholics, and they, they, they can resist to a point, maybe one thing. They can resist maybe alcohol, mm -hmm. but the devil will find some other way to put you in bondage. You can resist alcohol, but you might be addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. You can resist pornography, but you might be uh, giving yourself over to, um, to a filthy mouth or to anger or to depression. I'll, I'll give an example of mine just to be completely transparent is, is when is in um, slandering others. And I'm embarrassed to say it, but as just being completely transparent with you guys, um, in the form of gossiping, in the form of yep. slandering others, and it causes, um, I was d discussing this with my wife the other day about how I, in the moment, when I am slandering someone else or talking down about somebody else, um, I feel my flesh rise up. It's almost like I feel that pride uh, rise up within me as I'm belittling others or acting like I know better than others in decisions that it, they make in their, li their life. And I am, as I have come to recognize this, um, I'm immediately convicted in the fact that I'm slandering others and it's, uh, it, it's an exercise of me exercising my pride and placing myself and my knowledge and my opinion above this other person yep. who I am slandering behind their back. Yeah, and that's huge. Gossip is, uh, it's one of those uh, acceptable, I guess, acceptable mm -hmm. um, sins. Or people desire to gossip. It's like a natural tendency yeah. to elevate yourself. I, I, I mean, every person has that tendency to elevate themselves compared to another person and talk bad about them, especially law enforcement officers. Mm -hmm. We deal with people that are making horrible decisions for their lives, that are in the worst state of their lives that they've ever been, and we elevate ourselves. Well, at least I'm not like that guy. Yep. At least I'm not beating my wife. I'm doing, I've actually heard this out of the mouth of, of several officers, and I've actually said this, I remember. <laughs> at least I'm not doing this. Yep. At least I'm not, I'm not a, a drug user or a drug dealer. And uh, gossiping about other officers, how, how they handled a call or how, because I, I just know everything. I'm just the best, you know, mm -hmm. that's elevating yourself. That's, that's gossiping. Uh, uh, gluttony is another one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And you don't have to be fat to be a glutton. Mm -hmm. you, if, if you are so controlled by your appetite and stuffing your face, uh, or consuming what you're going to eat. Yes. It's literally consuming your entire pro <laughs> thought process for an entire day. And I've been there, so I'm speaking from experience there. Uh, taking pictures of your food and, and posting them mm -hmm. on, like, oh man, that that is a desire of the flesh. So, so we're not just saying these bad, these major sins of adultery or of uh, fornication, or those are works of the flesh, but there are also acceptable mm -hmm. sins in the church, acceptable works of the flesh, where people don't really want to talk about these things. I mean, there was, at the Bible college I went to, there'd be instructors that were overweight, and, and they, they would get to like uh, talking about gluttony 
and they would very quickly go through gluttony. Like they'd just move on and, and people would laugh, but they knew that they were not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit in that area. Mm-hmm. They weren't yielding to the, the Holy Spirit. Uh, we do need to take care of these bodies. Mm-hmm. This is the temple of, of the Holy Spirit. And you can't put trash in your body and expect to live a long life and to fulfill everything that God has called you to do mm-hmm. in this life if you're going to hor- treat this body horribly yeah. and not take care of it. So that is important. Uh, I just want to really quickly go through these verses here in Romans because I think they are really important and then we're going to close. So uh, the spirit is willing. I want to just define willing real quick. Willing means ready, eager, prepared to do something. The Holy Spirit is always prepared. That He's prepared to, to carry you into what God has for you. He's prepared for you to walk in victory. He's prepared for you to share the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's prepared you to, to, to be bold and to share and be a, good wit, a, a, a bold witness for him. The, the flesh is weak. That word weak means strengthless, feeble, impotent, sick, without strength, unable to take effective action, helpless and powerless. This is something that a couple weeks ago I talked about uh, being past feeling and how that, that you are useless for war. That is the weakness that's in the carnal mind, the weakness of your flesh. You are, you, you are unable to take effective action. You will not be an effective witness for Jesus Christ if you are walking by the power of your flesh. In fact, and Brain and I were talking about this before, the devil is completely satisfied. He's fine. If you, if you receive Jesus and make him Lord of your life, if you surrender your life to Jesus Christ and you are born again, He's okay with that as long as you stay in a carnal mindset, walking carnally, because he knows that you will be an ineffective witness for Jesus Christ. If you are not pursuing the things of God, if you are not renewing your mind to God's word and who you are in Christ, he's fine with you being a believer. You will just be an ineffective believer. You will not be a bold witness for Jesus Christ. You will not be a disciple of his. You are a convert and he is perfectly fine binding or you being bound in, in the sinful desires of your flesh mm-hmm. because you will, you will live a defeated, powerless life and you will not affect change in anybody around you. In fact, you might cause damage to the name of Christ, which yep. would make, you know, nothing would make Satan happier than to see a believer cause damage to the cause of Christ. That's right. I mean, you can, I've heard it many times how people go to church and they see hypocrites in Mm -hmm. church. People go to church and they're raising their hands, they're praising the Lord and they talk, uh, they don't cuss when they talk and they they don't get angry and they, they, they portray this perfect picture of, I am a, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ and I just love the Lord. And then Monday through Saturday, they live for the devil. They live like the world. They talk like the world, act like the world, walk like the world. They're as sick as the world, as poor as the world, as depressed as the world, as as anxious as the world, as in fear. There's nothing to identify them as a believer other than they they say that they're a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when the world sees that and they say, 
Hold on a second. This guy that's pray, that, that's raising their hands in church and praising God every single week, Monday through Saturday, this guy is talking about other women, lusting after other women, uh, cussing, watching the same shows I'm watching. But then in, in church, he's condemning those things. He's mm-hmm. condemning um, cussing. He's condemning watching these shows. But he himself is doing that throughout the week. And they and that and it turns people off from Jesus. They're like, if this is what it means to be a Christian, he's a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go through these verses here, uh, and then we're going to close in Romans seven eighteen. And I've gone through many of these. Paul says, "For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. In your flesh, there is nothing good that dwells in your flesh." But again, Paul, Paul gives that little, there's a parenthesis in there. He says, for I know in, that in me, that is in my flesh, there is nothing good. If he said that there was nothing good in me, he'd be, he would have been wrong. Because in your spirit, you are perfect and righteous in Jesus Christ. So he clarifies in here, in my flesh, there is nothing good in me. In Romans 8, 5, he says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Again, there's a choice presented. If you walk carnally minded with your mind set on the things of the flesh, you will live fulfilling the desires of the flesh. So I know there's some people out there listening that are bound by strongholds and addiction in their life. Your mind is set on the things of the flesh if you continually give yourself and live according to the flesh. Romans 8, 8, he says, So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And I've, I've mentioned that in, in prior videos. If you are walking in the flesh and in the strength of your flesh, you cannot please God. There is no part of you that can please God with your mind set on the things of the flesh. Romans eight thirteen says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We get our power and our strength from the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. This is the power that God has given us through, through Jesus Christ. It says, Jesus said that when I ascend to heaven, I will send you a helper. This is the helper. This is the power that we have to put to death the deeds of the body. You, by your flesh, are not going to put to death the deeds of your body. Mm-hmm. You are not going to put to death the, the thoughts that you're thinking by the power of your flesh, by your own intellect. It must be by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why some people can, have, can appear like they have everything together from the outward appearance. Everybody, everybody that surrounds them, that sees them at work, that sees them at church, that sees them at home, thinks they got everything together. And then those same people you find out later on have this whole separate life. Or these same people end up committing suicide. And people are like, what in the world? What ha- this guy had everything going for him. They did not put to death the deeds of their body or the flesh, the fleshly mindset. They were defeated with a, with a carnal mindset and they were not walking spiritually minded. They gave themselves over and believed a lie and they made that decision to walk carnally minded. 
I want to close with this. The choice to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might takes place in your soul, in your mind, will, and emotions. And the next time I speak, we're going to be talking about spirit, soul, and body and, and what this looks like. I, I, want to, I want to get a whiteboard up here and I want to uh, give you a visual aid so that you can see what this looks like because this is one of the most important revelations that you can receive in walking this out in your life is understanding spirit, soul, and body and what, what uh, in that relation and, and how, how you're perfect in your spirit because of Jesus Christ, because you were born again in your spirit, and, but you still have the flesh to deal with because we still have these bodies and how both of those meet in your soul, in the soulish realm, your realm, your mind, will, and emotions. So we're going to talk about that, maybe not the next episode, but the episode after that. Uh, we're kind of going back and forth between uh, topical episodes and then going through these, these verses and kind of diving deep into them. So the choice is yours, guys. If you are born again and a follower of Jesus Christ, the choice is yours, whether you walk by the strength and power and might of the Holy Spirit or you walk in the weakness of your flesh. And... And I, I know that I'm talking to people out there that, uh, that are struggling with things, that are struggling with, with thoughts they're having in, in their mind, with anxiety, with the depression, with fears, with addictions to, uh, to alcohol or even drugs or pornography or adultery or fornication. All these things are works of the flesh that through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit in us, we have been given power over. But we need to have a change of mindset. We need to, by the power of the Holy Spirit, put those things to death. We can walk in victory over those addictions, even, even though you might feel like those addictions or those things you're struggling with are, are so strong that you have no power over them. That is a lie from the devil. And you need to fill yourself with the truth of God's word. So what I want you to do is uh, I'm, I'm going to close with, with some homework. I'm going to ask you, uh, again, a question. Is your life marked by strength and power in the Lord or weakness, defeat, and destruction in the flesh? And this is, this is what I want you guys to do this week, is I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1, and I just want you to read that over and over and over again. And I want you to look and highlight and write down the verses that contain in Christ or in him, through Christ, through him, by Christ, by him. And write down what we have obtained through Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 1, if you can grasp that first chapter, that is going to help you as we go through these next 10 verses in Ephesians chapter 6. That opening chapter, Paul lays out who we are in Christ, what Jesus provided for us. And you need to read it, and you need to continue to read it, and read it over and over and over again, and write it down, and speak it out loud. And then I want you to pray Ephesians 1, 17 through 23. This is Paul's prayer to the church in Ephesus. And I'm going to really quickly read this because this is what I do. I've been praying this twice a day. 
once in the morning and once I've been trying to twice a day, once before I go to bed. So I'm going to close with with this. Brandon, do you have anything you want to add? Uh, um, I did. All, I'll just add one thing okay. real quick, and that that is um, one that thing it, it just capitalizes on I, I, in my Adrian Rogers study Bible for these sp- specific verses, verses uh, ten and eleven. It specifically says, uh, and and this is an example of what I was finally able to grasp mentally exactly what Taylor's talking about. And it says, God doesn't want me to do anything for him. He wants to do something through me. Mm -hmm. And that shift in mindset um, completely transformed and allowed me to grasp uh, what it means to um, to be strong in the Lord and to uh, and in the power of His might. Amen. That's again. If you guys can understand this and grasp this and receive this revelation, it will change your entire life. It'll change your walk with God, the victories that you see, and and will start you on this process of growing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So the the prayer that I want you to pray over yourself is Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 23. And Paul says he's praying for the believers. This is what he prays for the believers in Ephesus. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling or what his will is. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in you, in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All right, guys, I am going to close in prayer. Again, I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 1. Read this prayer and pray it. Try and pray it twice a day. And I believe that God is going to open your eyes to who you are in him. He's going to open your eyes to the the truths that we are sharing in these videos. And that he, the Holy Spirit, is going to minister to your heart and teach you through these things. Teach you through the word. And illuminate who you are in Christ. Illuminate the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Give you Uh, give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. All right, so we're going to close in prayer, and uh, then we'll see you guys next weekend. I'm sorry for going over an hour. And if you're wondering why Taylor is emphasizing two times a day, there is a this is this is the practice of what what you are focusing your mind on, and with all the chaos we deal with day to day, and the and our when our flesh rises up with the worries and the concerns and the anxieties of this world, um, this is what we're talking about it, it, that it talks about in renewing your mind yeah. and claiming the mind of Christ is you are refocusing and setting your mind on the truth and 
than setting aside all of the concerns that you have within your flesh, within the world, with all your worries, and setting your mind on Christ. And so doing something like that repetitively, when you're main, uh, meditating on the correct um, source uh, that you need to be looking at, it has a renewing of the mind effect of a refocusing on what really matters and who you are in Christ. Amen. All right, uh, we'll close in prayer here. Father, we just thank you so much uh, for giving us this platform, Lord, for giving us uh, the time and, and the ability through your strength and your power to uh, share what you've done in our lives, Lord, to share uh, the change that has taken place, the victories that we're seeing because not of our strength, but because of you, Jesus Christ, for what you did on the cross and filling us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, by your power in us, we are overcoming the deeds of our body. We are walking by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. And so, I just believe, Lord, that eyes are being opened right now to this truth, that hearts are receiving the seeds of life that are coming out of our mouths, Lord, and that these seeds will take root and will grow in the hearts of those listening and will impact every area of their life, their home life, Lord, their finances, their, their work life, their testimonies that they are, uh, they are living out, Lord, that they will, there will be testimonies uh, more testimonies, Lord, than we can handle um, hearing, Father, that uh, lives are being changed and lives, uh, the lives that are being changed will affect every person around them, Lord. We, we thank you for your strength, Lord, that you have given us your strength and your power in you, Jesus, and that we have a choice. We have access to this power. And so, Lord, I believe that through your word, and through the power of your word and through the power of the Holy Spirit, teaching those hearing, Lord, that people will grasp this and walk this out, begin seeing this in their life. Lord, I just pray protection over every, everybody listening, but especially those officers that are listening to this, Lord. Protection over them and over their families, over their minds, Lord. I speak clarity of thought and mind, a mindset directed toward you and not towards the things of this world peace over their bodies, over their minds, Lord, and over their families. That, Lord, as we set our minds on you, you have promised to keep us in perfect peace. Lord, I just thank you for blessing us. I thank you for each day that you give to us. And Lord, I thank you for giving us the ability to walk in victory today. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, have a good week.